0: Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome. Walt and I are so very thankful for you, our listening friends. Where do you find yourself today? Are you encouraged or Perhaps discouraged. Have you had a bad day, week, maybe even a bad month? Perhaps you've just enjoyed a joyous celebration. Or you may have recently said goodbye to a dear family member or friend. There are many different circumstances we face in this life as we bump shoulders with people. Everyone's in a different place. And today, as we begin in James chapter 2, once again, he addresses his readers as my brothers and sisters. I'm growing very fond of his greeting, and it's repeated over and over. But after he greets them in this chapter, then he continues with a powerful call to action, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You almost get the idea he wants to get their attention. Brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism.
1: And I love even that whole thought, Brenda, of if you are a brother and sister in the Lord, um, if you are part of his family, you've got to act differently. You've got to act like a family member. And that is what James seems to be driving home. Um, That's what is expected. Yeah, and we saw that all through chapter one. Again, we keep saying this is such a
0: practical book for us in our Christian walk. Well, James then provides an example in verses two to four. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, Oh, here's a good seat for you, but then you turn and you say to the poor man, You stand there or sit on the floor here by my feet have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I find it interesting. He's really continuing to expand upon his thought from chapter one in verse 27. We looked at that last time. How is a believer to treat orphans and widows in their times of distress, need, the struggle of life? And now in verse one, he brings and introduces this issue of personal favoritism. How do I look at an individual, a person created in the image of God? James here contrasts, he gives us this beautiful contrast. It's a hard one, a rich man with fine clothes and gold. Well, you know, we'd all love to be in that category. But here is the poor man, in dirty clothes. His point here is that you cannot give preferential treatment based on externals, clothing, good appearance, their hair looks great, their makeup's just right, their wealth. This is inconsistent with James' common address in this book, My Brothers and Sisters.
1: And you know, James in this book is going to focus on topics that are very convicting, at least convicting to me. Um, How do we respond to trials? Uh, Where do I turn for wisdom and guidance? Um, How do we respond to the tests that God allows to happen in our lives and the temptations that the wicked one would like to see us fail in? What do I seek to accomplish with my tongue or with an angry response? And, and as James continues, he begins in verse 5, he continues, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, remember, this is repeated 19 times. He, you get the idea again. He's saying, this is a family relationship. We need to to look different. And, and as he continues on, let every person be quick to hear. I'm giving you instruction. Open up your ears and listen. And then he continues, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of this world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? And and this reminds me of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking about blessing, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, what even in the Sermon on the Mount, just surprising statements um because in in Jewish understanding in their thought life, if something if someone were poor, if they were having difficulties in life, it was because god was was disciplining them, it was something that they had done wrong, and if someone was rich, it was because God was blessing them, they must have done. Right. James is speaking as a spiritual leader, and and he's pointing out this isn't true. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it seems that way, and it can be, but it's not always the case. And he goes on and he says, but you've dishonored the poor. He uses several questions and directs their attention to consider the foolish actions. And he asks these questions, and in the Greek construct, he's expecting a, a positive answer, Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? And the answer is, yeah, most of the people exploiting us are rich. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Yeah, they're the ones that seem to have the authority and the power and and the, the people on their side to get a judgment that's favorable to the rich ones. Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him? to whom you belong. And this is a big deal because, again, we've we've seen this idea um, that your family and you're part of the Lord Jesus Christ family, and that name, it's not being blasphemed by the poor. It's, it's being blasphemed by the rich, especially the religious leaders who in just a few years are going to kill James. We, we've, we've already talked about it. You know, it is natural for us to show preference to those who you think could possibly help you. Uh, To the rich, to the powerful, uh, to the famous. But James here is calling for brothers and sisters in Christ to not have a natural attitude and a natural perspective, but to have a supernatural perspective that can only come from listening to the Word of God and then applying it to your lives. Yeah, and even as you say, applying it to our lives, well,
0: I just think I I just shared with you just a few moments ago before we began to record this particular podcast, how God's been just Laying this on my heart as we're even going through these verses in preparation for this week's lesson that whole idea that every person that we look at, you know, and that we see and that we pass by uh, in the store on the street, that they are created in God's image. And I love now, as James continues, he says, If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself you are doing right. And it it takes us back, first of all, to the law in Leviticus 19.18, you shall not take revenge or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then Jesus, during his earthly ministry, also shared in his teaching, it's repeated actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Uh, in different settings, he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. Love God, love your neighbor. And of course, who's my neighbor, right, is always then that question. But continuing with James, what he says, but if you show favoritism, Wow, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, what? You have become a lawbreaker. These verses identify favoritism as sin. Sin. When you have shown favoritism, you are a lawbreaker. You are a sinner. We often think we're doing a good job living right and following the rules. Um, Maybe you're a rule follower. I don't I'm not sure. I think I fall in, fall in that category. Don't walk in the grass. Stay on the sidewalk. Stay within the speed limit. Do not litter. The list can get pretty long, right? Live right. Follow rules. Life is going to be good. But James tells us, oh, if we stumble at just one point, we are guilty of breaking all of it. Wow, these verses should really capture our attention. And so if I'm showing favoritism, if I'm thinking I'm above a person, and and then there's someone else who is like, well, I really want to get their attention. I really want to give them a good seat. I'm reminded of a story that Chuck Swindoll shared, a group of first-year medical students, they gathered for their Friday morning class midway through the fall semester, just starting, and the professor walked in and said to the students, get out a piece of paper and your pen, pop quiz, and then gave the instructions. Put your name, your box number on the top of the page. Question number one, write the name of the woman who works on this floor each day, mopping, emptying the trash, and cleaning the restrooms. Pause. Quiet. Pause. When you finish writing her name, fold your piece of paper in half and hand it to me on your way out the door. Have a nice weekend. Wow. Powerful. This professor wanted first-year medical students to grasp a deeper understanding that we need other people. Do I take the time to talk with people around me, those serving, working, doing the menial chores? Do I even acknowledge the value of that person, or do I just walk past them, not considering that She has a name, a family, there are details about her day, her life, her struggles, all the pieces in the life of a person. This is a great head to heart for me, and I'm deeply convicted. It's important that I take the time to greet people, to ask their name, to thank them for their work and
1: their service, to extend kindness and a smile. You know, Brenda, even as you're talking about this, I, I'm thinking back to our time of COVID and and just how we became isolated, but also how many people, many businesses closed, and even still there's there's a lack of people, and just, just being kind with your words to those people that are serving, just even telling them thank you. Well, James continues, and, and he just clu- concludes with verses 12 and 13. That's what we're going to talk about today. And they're just so powerful. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And he's just driving home this point. Um, how do you treat the least of those? What does that look like? You know, there's day of judgment that is coming and the way we treat others, especially showing mercy to the least of these, he's already listed, widows, orphans, the poor, those who can't help you, those who can't advance your cause, those who aren't going to be special to others, and you can say, look, I'm a friend of this person. And this action will reveal whether we ourselves have truly experienced the mercy of God. You know, in Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story of a servant who'd been forgiven, a great debt he owed his master. But then he makes the decision not to forgive a smaller debt that was owed to him. And when his master hears about this, he calls to him and he says this, "'You are a wicked servant.' He said, the master said, "'I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you?' In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured." until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. And the point that James is pounding on is, is this. If you're a child of God, by his grace, through faith, you've experienced abundant, abundant mercy as a gift from God. You've been forgiven a great debt. I've been forgiven a great debt. Because of my faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. How then could we possibly not forgive others? How could then we not extend mercy and grace and forgiveness to the people around us? And we're gonna just conclude with uh, there's a beautiful story of forgiveness. It happened during and right after World War II. Corrie Ten Boom tells a story um, when she came face to face with one of the concentration camp guards at the camp where her sister died, and um, it was a few years after the war in 1947. She went to a church in Munich, Germany, and and there, um, in that church, she was talking to people about God's grace and that God offers forgiveness. And as she did this, um, the people there they were really struggling. The country of Germany had just been bombed into submission. And and it was that time she said, when we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean and they're gone forever. And Corey Tendum talks about her audience as often groups of Germans, they would leave in total silence and their faces were so um, solemn uh, and they didn't quite dare to believe that God could forgive their sins. And she says, that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat of a civilian. And the next I saw the blue uniform and a visor tapped with the skull and the crossbones. And then it came back with a rush. This huge room with its harsh overhead lights, and the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes on the center of the floor, and the shame of walking naked past this man when she was in this concentration camp. She could see, I could see at that moment my f- sister's frail form. And as she goes by, she just thought, that was Betsy. That's where Betsy died, um, there at Ravensbrook. And Corey just was shocked because this previous captor, as he approached her, he asked her for forgiveness. And she says, I remember him, the leather crop swinging from his belt that he would whip these people with. And he rem- she remembers all this. And he said to her, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. And he said, I was a guard there. And then he continued, but since that time, I've become a Christian. And he said, I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did. But I would like to hear from your lips as well. Will you forgive me? And Corey talks about standing there, and she said, I whose sins had every day been forgiven, and I could not. Betsy had died in that place. I couldn't erase her slow, terrible death simply by the asking. And she just said, I don't know how much time I stood there, but at that, that time, who are, is able to forgive my former enemies? What does that look like? And in her pain, Corey turned and prayed it, and she said just this simple prayer. When it comes to, to forgiving others, when it comes to not showing favoritism, when it comes to the things that James has been teaching, she Corey said, I ask this prayer. Jesus, help me. I uh, Help me. I cannot lift my hand on my own but I can with your help. And as she recalled at this point, she she lifted her hand and Jesus helped her to do that. And then a joy began to flutter because she was doing what God had called and she was able to say, I forgive you, brother. I forgive you with all my heart. And and that story that you can read for yourself, I, I'm even there's tears running down my cheeks because it just reminds me Um, I can live differently. Um, The way I I deal with those around me who aren't rich and who aren't famous, the way that I, I approach life, James is challenging us. We can live differently with the help of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: Thanks, Walt. You know, we call this podcast, Ministry Walk with God, and it's our heart's desire to direct your eyes, our eyes, our heart, and our mind to God's Word each day for each circumstance and every situation you may face. In the midst of difficult times, trials, and trouble, let's determine in our hearts that we will run to God's Word and seek Him in fervent prayer. When we do this, we acknowledge that we need our glorious, Lord Jesus Christ, to intercede for us and strengthen us and help us every day. Dear Heavenly Father, it is our sincere desire that you would help us live um, and not show favoritism. We want to love you with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But in the words of Jesus, we are also called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we confess we often do not see people through your eyes, the way you see them. We judge incorrectly. And in this way, we sin against you and we sin against others. Father, you've called us to be your children, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Open our eyes and open our hearts to see and to love others just as you do. In your name we pray. Amen. And friends, it is our prayer that each of us will continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America and outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.